You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you're seated. Open your Bible at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Last week we had a look at walking in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We understand that God reveals himself as three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We had a look at that last week. I showed it from the scripture when Jesus was baptized, when he came up out the water. That is Jesus who, according to John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14, that Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus is God. But you notice when he was baptized, a voice came from heaven. Who is that? That is God the Father. This is my beloved Son. So here we see Father revealed as a third person. He's, he's another person, the second so far. Jesus one, Father's two. He's in heaven. But what happened? The Holy Spirit came and descended upon Jesus and filled him at that moment. So there we see the Holy Spirit, a third person. Very often in the church, we speak of God, and the Word says that God is one. But never says He's one individual, one person. Speaks of Him as one, just as Adam was one. When God created Adam, male and female, He created them. And yet the woman part was inside Adam, because when God put Adam to sleep, He took from him the rib, and the woman became. And so that woman already existed. And so yet the Bible says when the two become one, when you marry, the two become one flesh. Now if we're one flesh, Janine and I are one flesh, but you notice she's sitting there and I'm over here. We're not co-joined in physical form, but we are one according to the Word of God. And just the same way our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. And we can get so focused on just God and calling the name of Jesus, I find that the Holy Spirit in a lot of circles, not here or any church we connected to, a lot of circles, the Holy Spirit's neglected. And it is so important to understand His ministry, to understand His part in our lives as the church. And yeah, we see in this scripture again, the tripart being of God revealed. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. God is love. Amen. So there's the second, and then the communion of the Holy Spirit. There you can see the threefold nature of God revealed again. So here we see the love of Jesus Christ. That word Christ is important. Just take note of that. Christ is not Jesus' surname. Christ is a Greek word, Christos, which comes from the original Hebrew, Hamashiach, which means the anointed one. It's a description of who he is. Jesus, the anointed one. Keeping that in mind. And it says here, and the love of God, so grace of Christ, the love of God, and communion. Everybody say communion. Communion of the Holy Spirit. That word communion is the Greek word kanonoia. I'm not Greek. Please excuse me. I just have to remember what they say. And that word is the word used for fellowship. It, it, it's a very intimate 
fellowship. It's not just like, you know, I chat to you on the phone. It's the same way a husband and wife, when they make love, that is that word, that communion, that fellowship. It's intimate fellowship, intimate love. It talks about this intimacy of the Holy Spirit. It's not just knowing he's there. There's an intimate relationship, communion, fellowship, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say intimate relationship. When you see Jesus talking about the Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, when we see Jesus walking in the earth and we see the power that he walked in, we saw that he saw amazing miracles, tremendous signs and wonders, powerful word coming forth from him, demonstrations of the kingdom. And we called this year to see those manifestations of the kingdom of God. Well, how are those manifestations going to take place? Why did Jesus see so much power, so many miracles in his life? And it's easy to say, well, he's Jesus. He's supposed to. But you understand from Jesus himself, he says in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Jesus said, him as Jesus cannot do anything of himself. So that thing where you say, well, Jesus did what he did because he's Jesus, out of his own mouth, he said, no, even as Jesus, I can't do anything. Notice he didn't say, I, I prefer not to, and I choose to do it with someone else. He said, no, I cannot. On my own, I cannot do anything. Is that what you read? Say that Jesus said on his own, he could do nothing. So if that's Jesus, it will be good for you and me to admit that. You know, this thing about self-made man and I develop my own self-confidence and I don't need anybody. Uh-uh-uh. We all need somebody. Say Amen. Now, how come? He says, yeah, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever the father does, the son does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him how many? All things that he himself does. And he will show Jesus, the father will show Jesus greater works than these that you may marvel. So you're hearing out of the mouth of Jesus, he doesn't see himself standing on his own as God. So that whole Jesus only movement, that concept, is negated by Scripture. Because he says, on my own, I can do nothing. So I need the Father. So he's talking about another person. So the Father, he says, whatever I see the Father do, the Father reveals to me. And because he revealed it to me, I can now do it. So he's saying, I'm the only reason I can do it. And notice as he says here, and the Father will still show him greater works. Greater works. See, when Jesus was in the earth, you go to Philippians chapter 2. When he came into the earth, he was born a human. He was born into a human body as a baby. Now you do know, and I'm sure you understand, that in that baby body, he was a baby. It wasn't like when he was lying in the manger 
you know, he's Jesus and he's always, you know, the mature, grown-up Jesus, but just in the baby's body and he's talking to the angels. Now that I'm here, we can go around and just remember we're going to do this in the next moment. They say, chips, here comes Mary. Now he's got to act. You don't think that happened. No, he was born baby, baby. He did everything babies do, throw up on mom and all that sort of, come on, isn't that right? The Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature. Stature means he physically grew up. Wisdom means he had to learn from the word of God. Now, why is that? Because when you see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in the anointed one, Jesus, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, in other words, he is God, he didn't call his, Considered robbery to be equal with God. So he said, I'm not going to, just because I am God, I don't need to grasp onto that. I, that. That's not what I need to be famous for. I don't need that as my badge. But he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, listen to this now, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. That word where it says there that he made himself of no reputation, in the original writing, the Greek words used there talks about emptying himself. Emptying himself. If you read that from the Passion Translation, it says he existed in the form of God. Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became a human. What does that mean? As God, he had to enter into the earth in flesh. We don't have time to study that out. It's because Adam as a man gave away the kingdom on the earth. And a man had to get it back. And so Jesus had to enter the earth legally as a man because all authority had been given to man. And so he had to come in that authority. And so in order to be a true man, he had to empty himself of his power as God. Otherwise, the devil could talk around, hang on now, you're just coming as God. You can't fool me with that mask of flesh. No, he had to come as a man. So he on his own decision, he emptied himself, completely became no reputation. That means all the glory and ability and the powers that he had as God, he left behind and then entered into the earth, born just as you and I would be born as a human. That's why the Bible says he was tempted in all things. You cannot tempt God as God. Jesus himself said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But as a human, he could be tempted. But he never gave in to those temptations. You see that. Then we read last week when he was baptized and he came up out the water, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a bird. Read the words. It says like a dove. Come on, the Bible talks about Jesus being the Lion of Judah. You don't expect to see him in heaven running around with a mane. and No, it's a description. So the same way the Holy Spirit came like a dove 
and entered Jesus, what happened at that moment? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed, remember Christ means the anointed one. How was he anointed? God anointed him with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit and with power. You read through the word, whenever you see power, you know the Holy Spirit's at work. So the Holy Spirit and power, and then as a result, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. For God was with him, not because he was God, because God was with him. Who God? Holy Spirit God. So it's important to see that because when you understand that, you recognize when you see Jesus right all the way up to his baptism, you don't read of any miracles. Now, I know there's all kinds of traditions out there that his little 12-year-old, he made a mud pie and then it turned into a bird and it flew away. I've, I've read that. But that's not in any writing of the Word of God. No, he, he was not able to do any miracles before. Why? Because he's not the one doing the miracles. He himself said so. It's only what the Father reveals to him. And so when was that revealed? When the Holy Spirit came upon him. And when the Holy Spirit was with him, now he could see into the kingdom of God. What he had been studying in the Word now was made revelation. And in that revelation, it could manifest. And so now when he called on the power of God, the manifestation, the miracles began to happen. The kingdom began manifesting. Family God, we are called to manifest the kingdom. The moment you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. Come have a look here. John chapter 16. Well, let's read John chapter 14 first. John chapter 14. So remember, Jesus said he will do greater works. John chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. How many believe in Jesus? Bump your neighbor and say, look at that. I'm in the book. This is you. And as the word speaks to you, you, he who believes in me, say, that's me. You will do the works that Jesus did. Does he say that? Read in your book. The works that I do, Jesus speaking, you, who's you? The one who believes in me, who's that? You, you, say, that's me. Jesus says, the works I do, you will do also. And listen to this, and greater works than these he will do. So Jesus saying, you're impressed by what I do, you're going to do greater. That's something that if you understand this, when you read through the word of God, that's why I have no problem with submission. A lot of people struggle with submission. They think it's some kind of control. But if you read through the book, every person that willingly submitted always landed up greater than the one they were submitting to. You'll see it all the way through. Joshua submitted to Moses. He took them into the promised land and conquered all the enemies. Elisha submitted to Elijah. He had twice the miracles happening in his life. You getting this? David submitted to Saul, even when he was evil. Oh, I can't, he's a bad man, no, he knew he was God's prophet. Even though he was sinning, he refused to walk out of submission. Even when everybody else was trying to tell him to walk away. This is my man. God placed me in his authority. And I may not need to stand with him or agree with him or run with him. But I'm not going to be the one killing him. 
In fact, the ones that thought he was doing David a, a, a favor by killing him, they landed up getting killed. David said, you had no right to do that. And as submission to the king, he became known as one of the greatest kings. Are you getting this? So Jesus, in his submission, became greater. God gave him the name above all names. And so now when we submit to Jesus, the same works he did out of his own mouth, you will do greater. See, he doesn't see that as a challenge to his deity. Why? Because he's speaking as a man here in the earth, as God in heaven. Who can surpass him? No one. He is supreme. But in the earth as a man, while he was a man, he says, as a man, you'll go beyond what I did as a man. Oh, come on. And the word says, if all the books in the world were used to record what he did, you'd never be able to record everything. Family, you and I are living in the season. Shout amen. And notice verse 13. And because of this, he says, I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, here's part of the, the, the profile. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you a what? Another helper. Now, why does he say another helper? He's speaking to his disciples here. He is the helper to his disciples. Now, if you see me, now you think about Jesus in the life of the disciples. Whenever they had an issue with the word, they, he would talk and he'd speak in parables and they'd be just as dumbfounded as everybody else. Like, what is he talking about? But the key was that when they went home, they could sit with him and say, now, what did you mean there? And he would open it up for them. He would tell them what he was saying. You know a disciple didn't go longer than two minutes with a headache. I mean, he just had to go, Jesus, lay hands on me. Uh, they, 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 they had all their needs provided. They always had food. Come on, you with me? He had his hands on discipling. And he says, now, I'm going to send you another helper. So you do know when he says that, he's not talking about another power. It's like, you know, imagine mom's looking after the child and says, you know what, I need to go, but yeah, I'm going to give the computer to look after you. The computer just won't do what the mother does. Come on. Any other object, even an Android, a robot or something, cannot have the love and compassion that a mother has. So Jesus is not saying, I'm going, I'm going to leave a power with you. He's sending another helper. It's another person. Everybody say another person. So I'm going to send another person that he, not it, that he may abide with you forever. That he may, what does that mean? Live with you, dwell with you. Remember Adam in the garden, we learned last week, he, God walked with him, spoke with him, fellowshiped with him. But in his sin, he was broken out of that fellowship. That's why God said, Adam, where are you? He's not looking for him physically. He knows he's hiding behind the tree. Give me a break. God can see him. I mean, really, like it's like your kids when, you, when they're little ones, they want to hide from you. You can see this 
the feet sticking out the curtain. Where are you? Where are you? And they're still giggling behind the curtain. You know Father can see where Adam is. But why does he say, where are you? Where's your fellowship? Where's your position? You've stepped away. You're out of fellowship. But notice he says, yeah, that when the Holy Spirit comes, that fellowship, that broken fellowship will be restored. Everybody say restored. Now, who's he talking about? He may abide with you. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Where is he dwelling with them? Right there in Jesus. While Jesus is speaking, the Holy Spirit is in him. So now the Holy Spirit's with them, but he says, but he will be in you. The way he's in me, he will be in you. Family of God, I say it boldly, the Holy Spirit is the most important person on the earth today. Shall I say that again? The Holy Spirit is the most important person on the earth today. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit is the most important person on the face of the earth today. John chapter 16, verse 5. But now, Jesus speaking, I go away to him who sent me. Who's that? The Father. Family, by now you must see that we are talking about distinct different people here. Jesus said, I must go to him. He didn't say, I must go back to myself. He says, I must go to him who sent me. Say, so that's the Father. And none of you asks, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. It's good that I go away. Now, if you think from the disciples' point of view, it's good that I go away. You go, hang on now. And who's going to do the miracles? Who's going to teach me? How's it, how, how's it better if I go away? And yet Jesus is saying, life gets better when I leave you. Why? Keep reading. For if I do not go away, the helper, who's the helper? The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, where? To the Father, I will send the Holy Spirit, the helper, the third person, to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. 
of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Why? Because at that moment in time that he's speaking to them, they are still men without the Holy Spirit. He is a man with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus has seen into the kingdom of God, and he would describe it the best way he could. That's why he used parables, because they could understand things like soil and birds and seeds and wheat. They could understand when he used types and shadows, then they could kind of get a concept. But he's really talking much deeper. There's things of the realm of the kingdom of God that if I told you now, it's way above your mind. You would never understand it even with natural understanding. Your most educated person cannot see the kingdom of God in their flesh form as a human. No matter what you study at a university, you will never know the kingdom to the level that God wants to reveal it to you. And he says, I need to go so the Holy Spirit can come. Now, why would it be better? You would think if the Holy Spirit came, Jesus would say, I need to go and you'll have the same. No, he said, it's your advantage. In other words, life improves. Why would it improve? Well, think about this. The disciples only had Jesus when he was there with them. There were many times they woke up and he was out praying somewhere. So if they needed something at that moment, he wasn't there. They were in the middle of the, of, the, of, the, of the sea, and there was a storm, but he wasn't anywhere near. Why? Because he was still walking on the water coming to them. So there were many times they were on their own. But here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit comes, he won't be outside. You don't have to wait for him to come to church. He's already in you. He'll be in you. So wherever you are, there he is. You never have to again say, God, where are you? Because he's right there with you. That's why I don't, when I sing songs, and sometimes there's songs about, Lord, no, Lord, send it on down, send it down. He's already here. He's almost coming from heaven. He's already in the earth. He entered into the earth. He's right here with you. And so we can be filled again, be filled again, but it's from within, not from without. And so he says, it's to your advantage. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, however, listen to this now, when he, the person, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So there's more truth than what we see on the earth. We only see a fraction, a portion of truth in our natural ability. That's why people who are highly educated, who reject God, are revealing their ignorance. Because in their highest education, they see a of heaven. They can only see what they can measure on this earth here. And yet it's a fraction. But he says, I will reveal all truth to you. So in other words, the person that's born again has access to more truth than the most highly educated human on the planet. Oh, if that doesn't get, oh man, come on. I said, someone that gets born again in the next few minutes when we have an altar call, that person gives their life to Jesus. They will know more 
in the inner man than the most educated human through natural abilities. Come on, give Jesus praise if you can get a hold of that. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will guide you into all truth. Now listen to this. Again, he'll not speak of his own authority. Everybody say submission. He's doing exactly as Jesus did. He won't speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Who's he hearing it from? The Father. And he will tell you things to come. You do not need a fortune teller. You don't need a tea reader, tea leaf reader. You don't need a sangoma. You don't need cards. You don't, come on. You have the Holy Spirit with you. I said you have the Holy Spirit. Anything else is counterfeit. You listen to anything else is going to be a lie. It's to, it's to capture a person into a place of a curse. You don't need that. I said you don't need it. Just right now, renounce that. If you were involved with it, say, Father, I repent. I, I'm never going there again. I'm trusting you. You, the Holy Spirit. You, the one Holy Spirit that will show me things to come. Say this, the Holy Spirit reveals my future to me. Look at verse 14. He will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Can you see the synergy and the submission? He says, the Father gives me everything. Everything you've seen is from me. So much to the point that he speaks of it personally. It's mine. But he had to clarify it. The reason I'm saying it's mine is because the Father gave it to me. But he says, now the Holy Spirit will take of what is mine and reveal it to you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Family God, God loves you. Your daddy, your father loves you so much that he sent his son, the next person in the Godhead, to come to this earth as a human, emptied himself to demonstrate his love by sending the Holy Spirit upon Jesus, that you could see the power of a man when the Holy Spirit is within him. Submitted to the Father, hearing what the Holy Spirit says, and revealing that, that you could see signs, wonders, miracles. Why when Lazarus, they come along and say, you're your, your, your friend Lazarus is sick. He says, this sickness is not unto death. How did he know that? How could he confidently say, this man will not die? Because he saw the Holy Spirit reveal it to him. And the father had already determined, even if Lazarus does die, to raise him. So Jesus could rest. And that gives you a confidence in the kingdom. Because now, no matter what happens, he's spoken. He didn't have to rush. And so he finished his breakfast. That's not the scripture. That's my opinion. And then went out. And by the time they got there, the body of Lazarus had died. And even Mary said, if you had come earlier. You see, she's locked in time. But Jesus had the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he said, the sickness is not unto death. 
take me to him. Stood outside the grave and he said, roll away the stone. What kind of confidence is that? Because they say, Lord, by now he stinks. It's been three days that he's been dead. If you think about if we don't have that kind of confidence, you know how we pray. We sometimes say, well, maybe God will do something. Let's pray in tongues for a while and just stand here and we round the grave. Come on, pray harder. Pray, pray, pray. Come on. And if we hear scratching, then we know we can open the grave, you know. Did they do that? No. He just says, roll away the stone. Why? Because he was confident. He had the word from God. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, he had to name him. Because if he just said, come forth, every grave would have burst open. So he says, I'm speaking to Lazarus. God's doing something. Yeah, you come out. And the power of God hit that man, picked him up, and he appeared in the door of the tomb. Now, remember, they wrapped them like mummies. He didn't come bouncing to the door. No, he, the Holy Spirit picked him up. The power of God put him in the doorway. And he said, Unwrap him. You don't, you don't wrap living men. What I, want, what I want you to see, Jesus was demonstrating a human had that kind of power because he had heard from his father. No stress, no pressure. I'm anointed. And he says, now I'm going so that I can send that helper to you. And he's with you now, but he will be in you. And you will do the same I did. What you saw at Lazarus' tomb, you're going to do greater. You're going to do greater. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is with you. And he's going to show you how these things work. He's going to show you the kingdom, how to walk in it. He's going to guide you that the things that mess you up, the sin and everything else, because he said, love me and then the helper can help you. Keep my commandments. He's going to help you stay in that place. So the things that hinder the Holy Spirit from moving will be removed out of your life. And once you get to a place where you believe that what you've heard from Father and you speak, God will make sure that comes to pass. And Jesus will oversee it to give the glory to the Father. That's who you are with the Holy Spirit. Family God, I want you to be so aware of Him from this day forward. Just be intimate with the Holy Spirit. Walk intimately, always aware of His presence. Always fellowshipping, quinonia with Him. Stay in that presence and watch what happens in your life. You get something this morning? Let's give our Lord Jesus praise. Let's stand together. Lay your hand on your heart and say, Today I heard the word of God. And that word has brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer. Not a doubter. I'm a hearer and therefore a doer of your word. And Holy Spirit, I thank God that you're with me. Jesus, you sent me the helper, the spirit of truth. And he dwells within me. 
And I thank you, Father, for this precious gift of life. And Holy Spirit, I honor you. I respect you. I thank you that you're always with me. Your grace and mercy surpasses my understanding. Even when I've sinned, you've never left me. And so today, I repent and I turn back to you to honor you, to honor your presence. And I'm sensitive to your leading. I hear your voice. You guide me in wisdom, in truth. You show me my future. And as I listen for you and walk in intimacy with you, fellowshipping with you, you order my steps. You guide me into all truth. And I see, just like Jesus said, greater works of the Father manifesting in my life and through my life that others may see it and bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let the Father be glorified. Come on, give Him praise.